It's five o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. All right, uh, good afternoon. Thanks for being with us uh, here on The Drive Home. It is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. And uh, the IVX media app, 94.3thegame.com. Great P-Man here with you this afternoon as we... uh, Get ready for uh, Pirate Football Homecoming this week. Ain't no coming like a homecoming. We got a couple of uh, cuts from uh, Coach Houston here, and we'll hit that in our news uh, roundup segment here to start the show. Uh, Coming up, uh, our Houston huddle, and then going to get reaction to everything and uh, kind of a mid-season, I don't want to say grade, but just some mid-season analysis from uh, our guy Joseph Sampson. Scoops Sampson. Uh, Joe, of course, has uh, done a great job this year on our uh, pregame show. Joe also uh, is a uh, contributor to a lot of things here at uh, 94.3 The Game, but uh, also appears regularly with uh, Hoist the Colors and Steven Igo. So uh, Joe will be uh, on with us. A little guest slot for him at the bottom of the hour, and uh, that'll be coming up. And uh, if time allows, we'll hear from some uh, pirate players in our pirate report uh, today. But uh, I think Joe uh, Joe's analysis is going to be uh, pretty good. So uh, we'll see. We'll all play it by ear like we normally do. A uh, couple of things before we get into the Mike Houston stuff. Uh, Philip, the ref Pilkington, our producer. Uh, ref, I saw yesterday as I was wrapping things up that uh, Frank Reich is no longer going to call plays. And I was thinking to myself, why was he calling plays anyway? So, uh, you're the Panthers fan. I guess you're still on that thing. I'm, I'm a bandwagon hopper, and I'm fully off of that because they're the only winless team in the NFL. So, uh, defend your boy Frank Wright and why he was calling plays, and uh, interesting that he's decided not to do it. Who will be the new play caller? I saw the guy's name, and I I, I know we've talked about him, but I, I don't really have a whole lot of uh, recognition of him right off the top of my head right now. So, uh Pilk, for this little moment, the floor is yours. Yeah, so Thomas Brown is going to call plays. I think the reason that Frank Reich was calling plays at the beginning is just Thomas Brown has not called plays ever before in the NFL. He did at the University of Miami from 2016 to 18. But uh, in his time under Sean McVay, I think with the Los Angeles Rams, he did learn a lot as off, you know, as McVay is such a big time offensive mind. But I think Reich wanted to establish his style and not turn the you know, the reins over to a brand new NFL play caller right off the bat. He even mentioned today or yesterday that he knew that it was going to happen eventually. He didn't plan on it happening this soon, but uh, I think obviously just due to the lack of creativity from the offense and clearly Frank Reich has got a lot of things he needs to address because there's a lot of things wrong with this team, especially defensively. Yeah, that, uh, I just think it's uh, I think it's a mistake for him to have called plays off the jump. One, you didn't think that he was going to be didn't we talk to Zoke in the preseason and and they let this guy call a couple plays like in a half or something? I, I just, there's no wonder they're 0 and 6 now. I mean, there's major problems with that football team. And 
Frank Reich trying to be a bit of a control freak from where I sit probably did not help. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, they need some. They have some things he needs to address that don't involve play calling. So, and people don't want to hear this. Bryce has not been good, but he's not been awful. He's actually been pretty good the last couple of weeks. I think. Yeah, I think so. He's I been mean, solid. I, I don't think he's the issue. I, now, I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback, but I mean, he he will be an okay quarterback. I think eventually, he just has nothing around him. If he can stay healthy and they can. Just put somebody to make plays around him. That would be fine. Speaking of playmakers, the Panthers have lost. I guess Christian McCaffrey with an oblique injury is now, uh, I don't want to say day-to-day, but I guess they'll determine this week if he and some others are going to play for the Niners uh, on Monday. Uh, so that'll be determined. But, you know, I saw a great, you know, note this weekend, and, I mean, that wasn't anything analytical or – but, I mean, this is a team that had D.J. Moore and Christian McCaffrey and traded them both away. And those guys are thriving <laughs> elsewhere. And this franchise under the uh, ownership of David Tepper continues to be stuck in the mud. Well, Patrick, you had so. to trade those guys away to get some draft capital because you traded all your dra- draft capital for Sam Darnold and then some for Baker Mayfield as well, as I get a uh, mean look from Joe when I say Sam Darnold. You know, what is really just annoying about the whole thing it was this desire to have and it's been this way since tepper took the team over this desire to we have to have a franchise quarterback and look at all the swings and misses not only the two guys you named uh they drafted matt corral and you know that that was a lost season last year and the, he's no longer with him is he pilk or is he or is he He's no longer with them. They cut him, right? No, he's not. I, he at one time was on New England, and then I was looking at their roster the other day for some reason. I don't remember why, and he's not even on their roster anymore, so I have yeah, no so idea I mean, where he is. And again, the Corral thing is a guy they probably could have gotten a couple rounds later that year in the draft. Uh, it's, yeah, the, it, it's it, – Tepper, I, I, I feared that Tepper would still have his fingerprints all over this, and with Bryce Young being drafted, it certainly was – and again, I don't think it's so much Bryce Young. He has not been great. He's not been awful the last two weeks, but he's not been great. And he just has no weapons. He has no help. Well, he's their got no line to block. Shambles. Yeah. Oh, I know. Their offensive line's in shambles. They, I mean, I, I don't think they have a consistent playmaker on the roster. It's just, it's, it's, and, and I mean, I don't, this, Remember the one in fifteen season, Pilk? You probably do, and I don't think this is that team. Seemed like they were competitive and had a little bit of a spirit, I guess. But that was so long ago. Yeah, that I was mean, back in two thousand one. At- yeah, that was uh, that team did have some, I think, some edge to them. Uh, you know, Steve Smith's rookie year. They were tough. Yeah. They were gritty. They were just they had worse quarterback issues than this team did. I mean. Going back and forth between Rodney Pete and Chris Winkie the whole season was abysmal. I think Jeez. that was the biggest issue. And uh, I think Tim Biakabatuka got hurt that year. It was just yeah. nothing could but, I mean, ever if you, hold if you, water. But really. if you look at this team, there's just – I mean, they're going to have – somebody's going to have a bad week and they're going to beat them, I would think. They're, they're, but, I mean, well in six, it's just brutal. But they got 11 more opportunities. Yeah, maybe they can beat Gardner Minshew and the Colts in a few weeks. Yeah, Colts are on the struggle bus right now, aren't they? Yeah. All right. Um, 
couple other things uh, I wanted to get to here. Uh, word has come out from the former principal at New Bern. Uh, we've linked the article to our social pages, uh, at least on Facebook for 94.3 The Game. Also, uh, our talk properties, Jerry Simmons. Uh, as Brian North uh, said, well, uh, let me give a shout out to, to our colleague, Trevor Dinell. Uh Trevor is the uh, news editor with that uh, company and with that newspaper and uh, the Sun Journal in New Bern. And uh, Trevor, of course, calls our games uh, on 94.1 for Havelock and does a great job. So uh, Jerry Simmons, uh, the principal, wrote uh, an email that went to the newspaper and uh, some other media outlets as well. I'm guessing Channel 12 for sure. And uh, he said he's choosing now to speak out after uh, a summary of uh, uh, an email from uh, Craven County Schools Human Resources was emailed to him now five days ago. Uh, In part, his email read, it's uh, my goal here is to avoid any speculation and stick to the facts. My hope is that the community I have come to love will do the following. Contact our state legislators and ask that they do a thorough review of the decision by the NCHSAA contact our Craven County Board of Commissioners and ask that they review the practices of our school district's leadership and Board of Education and continue to support our community school and show your bare spirit at every turn. So again, there he is calling for what we have uh, talked about as a possibility on this show with guests, Brian North in particular, and, and other times we've talked about this. Now that that High School Athletic Association is under the guise of state lawmakers, uh, under the rule of state lawmakers, uh, could there be something that will go in a different direction and this be overturned? And of course, what he's speaking to there is uh, the state championship being stripped from New Bern uh, last year as a suggestion from the Craven County Board uh, of Education. Um, Simmons talked about uh, that piece of legislation in the... uh, that exists out there, the North Carolina General Statute 115C-288, to get all lawyery speak on you, the state law states uh, principals shall have the authority to grade and classify students in determining the appropriate grade for student who's already attending public school. The principal shall consider the student's classroom work and grades, student scores on standardized tests and best educational interest of the students. So again, that is uh, a state law where he could do that, um, and the principals have the leeway to do that. So if, if Newburn's getting slapped on the hand for this, there's a possibility that uh, you could open that up for all kinds of schools and, uh, and see what the problem may be. All right. A uh, couple things from Mike Houston today. Uh, we'll have a Houston huddle for you, but I want to start with uh, really the big thing here, Pilk, is his decision to punt with six and a half minutes to go has come under some criticism. Uh, I've talked about it with Joe. I've talked about it with Igo. I've talked about it with people privately who've asked me what I, I thought. And and I'm sure the answer is uh, exactly what I have said. And that is six and a half minutes to go, three timeouts. You're on the minus 33. You're only down uh, two scores. You feel like your defense is playing well enough to get the football back uh, and uh, give you a chance. And if you don't make that second down, uh, fourth down, excuse me, if you don't make that fourth and two, at that point, the game is totally over. So you're giving yourself an opportunity 
to possibly still have the football down two scores. And if you're in two scores, the general rule is you're still kind of in contact in football. It's like being down, I guess, three in basketball uh, would be a way to, to say that or, or having a tying run or winning run on deck or at the plate in baseball. All right, let's uh, let's play that cut. Pilk, where he talks about that decision. This is Mike Houston from today's press conference. Yeah, I think there is a, a line between being aggressive and, and doing what you think is best to help you win. And I think that every situation is different. And that's, uh, you know, that's, we spend a lot of time preparing for those situations and you, know, you take a lot of factors into play. And so, uh, you know, the one you're referencing is seven minutes to go, uh, fourth and two from the minus 33. So we're fairly deep in our own territory. Uh, we have all three timeouts, and so you know the, the question there is: if you go for it and get it, great. You extend the drive that you're you're in right now. Um, if you go for it and don't get it, uh, you put yourself behind the eight ball pretty pretty firmly. Uh, that deep in, in territory, um, you know you're, you're hoping to limit them to a field goal at that point. So it's a two possession game right now. Another score takes to be a three possession game. Uh, so uh, with the way we have played defensively uh, for the last several quarters, especially in the second half, um, you know, really they had to move the ball all in the second half. Uh, and, you know, the last two plays, we had to gain a yard. So uh, felt like right there with all three timeouts, you know, our best course of victory of, uh, of winning the ball game was to punt it away, use our timeouts, and try to get the ball back with, you know, five plus minutes to play in better. Uh, field position uh, with a fresh set of downs. All right. Uh, that is uh, Coach Houston. Uh, and I don't know if that's that audio quality was just so rotten, but essentially saying what I said uh, and, and what I thought Coach Houston would say, that they felt like uh, it would give them an opportunity to get the ball back down two possessions if they punted there. Again, you don't get that fourth down. Uh, even with your full complement of timeouts, the game's practically over with SMU at the plus 33 at that point. Uh, worst case, they kick a field goal, which the kid had just hit a 50-yarder, uh, and uh, you're, st- you're still down three scores. So roll the dice, and one of those things that uh, sort of happens uh, in the sport. But uh, Mike Houston addressing uh, that today. All right, uh, we're going to take a break and uh, come back and have the Houston huddle right after this. We are. We are. Riding shotgun with you on the drive home. It's go time. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Okay, uh, welcome back. It is uh, the PJ Show. Uh, Forgot to mention, but we'll have coverage starting at 11 a.m. on uh, Saturday morning. Our Pirate Game Day countdown, fueled by Bush Light, will be outside of uh, the Town Bank Tower at our Fort Game Day 2.2 location. Looking forward to uh, having uh, our gang there as we bring you uh, homecoming 2023 pregame coverage for the Pirates again. Uh, that will be coming your way on 94.3 The Game and the IBX Media app, 94.3thegame.com at 11 on Saturday with a 2 p.m. kickoff. And uh, we also, of course, will have coverage all week uh, with uh, Hoist the Colors at noon. Steve and I go, uh, yours truly at five, and uh, more football talk uh, Friday at five with uh, the Logan Zone. We'll see how it goes with uh, the forecast this week. I have a sinking suspicion 
we're going to start to see games moved up if we haven't already because uh, it is supposed to rain on uh, Friday night. And if there is even a, a sniff of a drop, uh, high schools now will move on uh, the games to Thursday. And uh, so I, I just I, I have a suspicion that that may end up being uh, the, the way it goes here. So uh, the high school football we have for you on Friday could, and I qualify that by saying could, be moved to uh, Thursday. Nothing official yet, but just kind of the way it uh, seems to work out in uh, in times here recently. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we've got uh, our Houston huddle for you now every uh, Tuesday. Coach Houston joins us on uh, 94, uh, rather 96.3 and 103.7. We bring it to you here on 94.3 The Game. And uh, it is uh, a market-exclusive conversation with Coach Houston that we uh, bring your way each and every uh, Tuesday. Uh, and uh, Coach asked this morning when he was on with us about uh, how practice has gone in the uh, bounce back after the uh, 31-10 loss to SMU with uh, the Pirates hosting Charlotte and homecoming this week. Well, good. So, you know, the, the players had uh, Friday and Saturday off. Um, you know, staff went on the road recruiting on Friday and then uh, – had some recruits in this weekend, so uh, you know here taking care of that on Saturday. But you know came back together Sunday as a team, and uh, you know had a workout Sunday, watched the film from Thursday night, uh, started getting ready for for Charlotte, and then uh, you know yesterday's a, a big game plan day for us, and the guys will be back out there on the practice field today. So uh, you know exciting start to the week. You know everybody's uh, you know fired up about being back at home this weekend and. You know, 2 o'clock kickoff, it should be great weather for uh, just about the first time now. So we've had, <laughs> yeah. we've had a little bit of rain for our home game. So it's good. We yeah. should have a, a clear day on Saturday. So it should be a, a great day for football. Well, it's been a, it's certainly been a rebuilding year. And uh, I know uh, everyone is frustrated with the lack of wins so far. But, uh, you know, again, you've been in just about every game. And uh, so you're close. You're getting close. But uh, assess that for us and uh, where you think – what what are the issues right now that have to get resolved for this team to kind of get over that fourth quarter hump? Well, I mean, you I mean you you look at every game outside of the Michigan game, we have been right there with a chance to win in the fourth quarter. And uh, you know, the other night is uh, you know a prime example. You know, it's it's fourteen ten. We've got the ball. We're driving. We've got a first down on. Uh, about the 43-yard line coming out, so you really good field position. You know, it's a, it's a one-score game. So, you know, you drive down and score, you got the lead. Um, and, you know, we turn the ball over. And uh, and then we throw a pick six, you know, two series later. And so, the, at the end of the day, those those two turnovers right there is the difference between winning and losing. Yeah. You, you know, you're playing, you're playing one of the most talented teams in our league, uh, and you've – you have been neck and neck with them the entire ball game, and you know you make two critical turnovers and they don't, and that is that is the difference right now in in winning and losing those games. You can look back at the Marshall game, uh, you can look at the Rice game, uh, you know all those, and it's it's just those one or two plays there in the, in the fourth quarter that uh, you know we've got to do a better job and we got to make those plays and we can't you know can't do that with the football. Our weekly conversation with Coach Mike Houston uh, happening now. We call it our Houston Huddle. Uh, and uh, Coach Houston joins us uh, here 
with uh, Henry Hinton, Patrick Johnson. Coach, uh, asked you a little bit about this last night as far as what the quarterbacks need to do this from this midway point on, and you talked about consistency. Specifically, what are you looking out of maybe the guys individually or just the, the group collectively? Well, I, th- I think that, you know, we talked about last night, you know, there have been some, some certainly been some bright spots. Uh, and there were some bright spots the other night. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's you're, you're pushing to try to get consistency, snap in and snap out, series in and series out for the duration of a game. Uh, and, you know, that's, that, that's where the improvement can come. And, um, you know, they, they both are very driven to, uh, to do that. And I think we've got to continue to do a better job preparing them. Uh, you know, we've, we've put a lot of emphasis into that with our, with our practices uh, and trying to, you know, give them as many different looks and situations as we possibly can. Uh, but that's, you know, that's where it's at right now is just consistency with play. And that's, you know, we went through that with Holton when he was young. And, uh, you know, in, o- over time, he got to where he became extremely consistent. And uh, so it's, uh, that, that's the key for them. With that said, uh, obviously, you got to have receivers make catches. That, that's been an issue right. at times. Uh, although uh, Chase Soul and uh, uh, your, your tight end did a really good job of, uh, of making some of those contested catches, what I thought was a really physical game in the secondary last Thursday. And then up front with the offensive line, uh, still seeking some, some cohesion with that group. But how do you think they played with some of the moves that you've made there? And, and could you speak to the receivers as well? Well, I think with the receivers, it was great to see Chase continue to um, stack games. And I say that because I, I think he's played better and better uh, as you look at the last three weeks or three games. He's played better and better. And, you know, he's getting open, he's catching the ball, and he's doing something with the ball after the catch. And that's, you know, that's the whole key. That's what you're looking for. Uh, and Shane, it was great to see Shane get more involved. We've certainly been trying to get him uh, very involved, and um, you know, it's good to see him get uh, get more involved, more opportunities the other night. So, uh, you know, the more we can we can get that out of guys, uh, and the more guys you can get coming around and being consistent catching the ball, because you know, you get let's say you, you gain four or five yards on first down, you know, whatever running, throwing, whatever, and you got a second and five, and then you know you have a, a perfectly executed play, and the pass is dropped. Well, now it's third and five, and you know, we're, we're running into that situation way too much where, you know, it should be a first down. And that's where the consistency has to come with everybody, not just one or two guys. And so, uh, you know, it continues to be, you know, some, something that's an emphasis in practice. Um, but, you know, the, the problem is not in practice because we're doing a pretty good job in practice. We've got to get guys to relax and go make the plays on game day. Mike Houston is with us. It's our Houston huddle. We do it every Tuesday morning at 8.05. With the head coach of the Pirates, Coach, uh, homecoming weekend, Charlotte, new conference member, uh, is going to be in town. I guess this is the first time we've ever played Charlotte, isn't it? I don't remember us ever yeah. playing them before. Uh, yep. And uh, they're one in five. Um, they got a new coach, Biff Pogi. I don't know if he'll wear his uh, outfit on Saturday. Are you going to wear that cutoff jersey? So you're not going to do that, are you? Uh, he, he's got he's got his style, and I've got mine. But, you know, he's. <laughs> he's uh, yeah, he's he's a guy that's been massively successful. Yeah, you know, he was a very very successful corporate businessman, uh, and 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 has you know 
chosen to you know, pursue a second <laughs> career as a as a coach, and uh, you know he's assembled some talented kids now. They've got uh, I don't know between fifty and sixty transfers, and they mm. they they have some very very talented kids on both sides of the football, and they've played a tough schedule and they've played people well. I mean they went down to Florida, and it's seventeen to seven uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, and Florida scores again. Um, you know, they go to Maryland, they jump up 14, nothing on Maryland. Uh, and you know, uh, they, they have, they have played a very tough schedule, played a really, really physical game with Navy on Saturday. That was nothing, nothing, most of the game. Yeah. Uh, and then Navy, Navy, uh, broke two big plays, uh, there in the second half, they broke a midline and then broke a, a, a play action pass in the second half to, to win the game. So, um, you know, this is this is a talented football team coming in here. We've got a, a tremendous challenge. Uh, tell us about them. What do they, what do, they do uh, offensively that uh, that you'll have to try to stop? Well, they've got they've got uh, an extremely talented quarterback. Now they went back and forth between two of the quarterbacks. They played uh, they played a, a, a kid Trexler Ivy the last game. That's more of a pocket guy, more of a thrower. Um, they have a, a player Jalen Jones. Um, who is is a dynamic athlete, and he is uh, he's he's this is about his fourth school, and so he has bounced around a little bit. Um, I think he started at, uh, uh, at maybe at the University of Florida, um, and you know he is he is a dual threat, explosive player. Um, so the combination of him and they have several just very solid uh, running backs. Uh, Bird's a transfer, Robinson's a transfer, Kelman's a transfer. Um, you know, those guys, they do, a, they do a really good job of the run game. But, you know, the combination of the zone read stuff right there, we've got you know, to really work uh, to contain that. Um, you know, they've got a couple of, of, of receivers that are very talented. Um, Asteria, number 19, is a transfer from Colorado, uh, is kind of a bigger version of Tyler Sneed. He's about 6'1", but, uh, you know, kind of the shifty, you know, slot-type guy. A couple of guys out wide that have some speed. Um, really, really good tight ends. Uh, you know, they've done, they've done a good job there with the previous staff, uh, that was at Charlotte did a good job, you know, recruiting these tight ends. So, you know, you have a, you have a, who's going to be a quarterback. That's the biggest question for us, you know, cause you're really preparing for two different styles depending on who the quarterback is. But, uh, you know, Jalen Jones is a, he is a dynamic athlete. So I wouldn't be shocked if he's not the guy. Coach, as far as uh, defense, and you talked a little bit about it there, uh, defensively, the team's been uh, really, really solid this year. Has kept you in games. I, I got to think that uh, uh, defensively, you're, you're looking for another big outing on Saturday. Well, we're going to have to. We're going to have to play well on that side of the ball again. Um, you know, if we can, if we can slow them down offensively, uh, then certainly that's going to give us a great shot to get the win Saturday. Um, you know, I'm, I, I was pleased with how we played for the most for the bulk of the night the other night. You know, we gave up a couple of passes early, uh, which you know SMU is an explosive offense. Um, but I thought we really settled down. You know, after after about the third drive of the game, and 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 you know played well for the the bulk of the ball game. You know, that's you know you look at the performance in the second half, the third, and the first half of the fourth quarter, uh, and you know, they really didn't generate anything offensively. And, uh, so, you know, if we can continue to play, you know, at that high level now, you know, we'll be challenged with some of the athletes that Charlotte has, but, uh, if we can continue to play at that high of a level, um, then certainly it gives us a great opportunity.
Coach, uh, looking at the uh, the Charlotte schedule, and of course you mentioned they didn't score on Saturday against uh, against uh, against Navy, but they put up twenty on Maryland. They put up twenty five on Georgia State. But in recent games, their offensive production, their point production, anyway, has really fallen off. Is there? Can you pinpoint right. anything that's happened that's kept that from uh, kept them from scoring? Yeah, they've been going back and forth with quarterbacks and, and you know, trying to trying to get consistency there at, at that position. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's very similar to what uh, we have experienced, you know, just trying to, you know, figure out what the, the, the guy, the best guy to give you the best chance to win. And uh, so they've, uh, you know, like I said, they went back and forth the last two games. Uh, Jones started against SMU uh, and then Ivy came in uh, and then Ivy played the entire game against Navy. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of that, have, uh, from a, a philosophical now, standpoint. Th- th- now, I would say saying that, I mean, SMU is the best defense we've seen since Michigan. Yeah. So, they were that good. has a lot to do with it. You know, Navy is very similar to us defensively. So, you know, they've played two pretty good defenses the last two times out. How about your quarterback situation? Has your philosophy changed any at this point uh, going to the uh, after the midpoint of the season? Well, my, my philosophy is we're going to do what we got to do to give the Pirates the best chance to win on game day. That's it. You know, and that's uh, both both kids have the opportunity to compete. Uh, you know, both saw action on Saturday. Um, you know, we're going into this week preparing for this ball game with a game plan that we feel like gives us a great chance to be successful. So, uh, you know, we'll be ready to go on uh, on game day. All right, that is uh, Mike Houston, head coach of the Pirates, and that is today's Houston Huddle. And it's brought to you by HealthWise Pharmacy. HealthWise is a full-service pharmacy serving all of your health care needs, including retail prescription medications, durable medical equipment, in-home infusions, as well as infusions in their infusion suite. And that is located at 615B South Memorial Drive in Greenville. HealthWise Pharmacy brings you our Houston huddle. All right, uh, reaction to all of this uh, today uh, from uh, our guy, Joe Sampson. He's going to be our uh, guest coming up in our next segment. We'll get him to break down the pirate football season for you. Uh, But right now, Philip the Ref Pilkington with a 94-3 The Game sports update and pirate report. Pilk? Thanks, Patrick. Philip Pilkington here with your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash update and Pirate Report. In today's press conference, Coach Houston was asked about how he thought the Pirate offense played in last Thursday's loss to SMU. Obviously, it was not good enough. Uh, now, we were facing you know, the best defense we've seen since Michigan. And so uh, we did a lot of uh, positive things uh, offensively. And The Pirates will take on Charlotte this Saturday at homecoming game the schedule the game is scheduled for two o'clock network pregame coverage will start at one and our bushlight pirate game day countdown coverage will start at 11 a.m game two of the nlcs's tonight as the phillies try to hold serve at home after taking a five to three win in game one the phillies will send aaron nola to the bump to face the diamondbacks merrick kelly 
The Hurricanes will be back in action tonight as they try and bounce back after their first loss of the young season in Anaheim on Sunday. They will be play, taking on San Jose at 10.30 tonight. The Eagles added some depth to their wide receiving core today by signing veteran Julio Jones. The 34-year-old appeared in 10 games last season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. After this timeout, we'll be joined by Joe Sampson to talk some pirate football. Sometimes you just don't know if you want to kiss him or slap him. Either way, he'd probably like it. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, welcome back. PJ Show uh, here at uh, 538. And uh, Joe Sampson, uh, former pirate tight end, joins us uh, here. Joey Football has been a uh, big part of our uh, game day coverage this season. He regularly appears on... Uh, various <laughs> programs, uh, including uh, the uh, Hoist the Colors uh, radio show with Steve and I go, which you can hear at noon on 94.3 The Game and on the IBX media app uh, every Monday through Friday. Uh, Joey Football, thanks for coming on. It's good to talk to you. I don't ever get to talk to you in this uh, forum as much as I like, <laughs> but it's good to have you. No, please go on. Keep listing all of my various accolades and everything else that comes with it. <laughs> well, here's what I think uh, people should know about Joe. And uh, Joe is uh, the, the kind of guy who uh, is very bright, very bright because he's getting an MBA. <laughs> and, that, you know, that's that's pretty good, Joe. That's pretty good stuff. That's that's what they tell me, at least. It's it's one of those things where it kind of falls into two different wavelengths, so it can go one way or another. So they say it's like a dual degree, but I'll take right. it. Okay. Well, I'm, here I am trying to give you some credit. <laughs> You're uh, self, using self uh, depreciating uh, or deprecating humor. So, uh, but no, you're you're very smart. <laughs> Joey, football and I did a football game on TV, and Joey was great during that football game. So I still have people rave about that uh, fantastic appearance. <laughs> so there it was you a go. great way, game to Joe, call. What I was talking to you, what I was talking to you about earlier uh, on Thanksgiving, not going to happen. So. All right, there we go. <laughs> Close so the door. The scenes. Close yeah, the, the book closed. on that one. <laughs> the book is closed. Hey, um, let me ask you a little bit about uh, what uh, you maybe heard from Coach Houston in that interview and mm -hmm. what you heard from him today and uh, just kind of get a read. You played for the guy uh, for four years, so the read on uh, his demeanor uh, and how you think he's handled. I know it's frustrating for him because he's really never been through anything like this in his coaching career, so um, – how do you think uh, he has, you know, kind of handled uh, things with the team? And, uh, you know, obviously public, I think he has been very positive publicly as well. So uh, your your thoughts, Joey Football? Well, the first thing I have to say is everybody's the first person to get upset that he's not giving us these heartfelt answers into the media and he's not placing blame on anybody. That's not the guy he is. He's the all fingers point inward in that program. And Elijah Morris said it today. And it really stuck with me where he said every storm runs out of rain at some point. And that's truly just the mantra that I think has been unofficially adopted this season because this isn't a team that has gone out and laid a stinker every single game. They've been in close ball games. They've fought tooth and 
Yeah, tooth and nail as far as every single defensive outing. There's never been a game where they look extremely overmatched by any means, and, and they're answering the call on the defensive side of the ball. But what the story has been is the offense. And when you have an offense that's ranked 111th in pass efficiency out of 111, it's going to be one of those tales where you really can't get anything going and you can't get the ball out and you can't be the passing offense you were last year because you don't have the home run hitters. Jeff Sampson, uh, 94-3 the game. Scoop Sampson, as we dubbed him uh, last week. <laughs> you are really sticking uh, to that. Well, look, you, you are committed uh, to the bit. News. <laughs> I, I, I'm very proud of you for breaking a little bit of news. So, uh, Joe, all right, we're, we're halfway through the season. What are you seeing? You know, it, just offensively, it's tough to watch. It really is. I mean, I, I, I've watched all the games. And uh, offensively, I feel like I want to pull my hair out. Uh, <laughs> defense has, has done a heck of a job. Right. Just the offense has not gotten it going. And I know we've belabored the point, uh, but I, I just, it's its hard for me to be, uh, to just understand why, why we have not seen any improvement on offense. So uh, what, do you, what do you attribute that to? Because it seems like, you know, there were some, there's bright spots and we talk about the bright spots. There just hadn't been enough consistency with the bright spots. It's just, it's really frustrating to watch. It's one of those things where it's, it's kind of like watching a car wreck. You, you can't keep watching it, but you also can't look away. And I have so much emotional investment into watching these offensive kind of play calls and how they're going to fill out and work out for so many different ways. And they're right there. And everybody keeps saying that, and I'm sure people are getting sick of the coach speak at this point, but they really are right there. This is an offense that's been trending upwards and, and building towards certain things. And when they're in a groove, they're fine. But it's been a problem of finding the groove because you can't stall out. You can't have a procedural penalty that puts you behind the sticks and all of a sudden it's third and 23, you're not going to convert. And and I think that's where, and you asked Coach Houston about it with the, the fourth and two and you're on your minus 33-yard line, you have seven minutes left, three timeouts, what do you do? I, I'd punt it the same way and I'd trust my defense to go give us another shot because this is one of those offenses that hasn't been prone to getting the fourth down conversions like the ones of old. And that's where people kind of fail to remember is that this is not the same team it was last year. This is a completely new team, completely new roster. You lost four of your biggest returning production on offense, two 1,000-yard receivers, a 1,000-yard rusher, and an NFL quarterback who is currently on a roster. And that's just the name of the game is you have to find people who are going to play next man up, and they haven't found it yet. Defensively, I mean, it's not like there have not been mistakes, but I always contend in this day and age of college football with the way the offenses are geared at most places, you're going to give up explosion plays i mean it's apt to happen in a game and uh, we've seen that harm the pirates at times uh you know it was kind of a, i thought a little bit of a cheapy score when they went over the top and got the uh points at the end smu did but uh you know by and large the defense has played well but i mean they, they'd have to be pitching shutouts in order to to have any success at this point now navy did that to charlotte so we'll see but uh, I, I kind of feel for Blake Harrell, who's done a hell of a job since he arrived in Greenville. And that's been his MO as far as things goes, is he pitches an incredible, let's call it 54 minutes of a game. But the last six, whether we're up 30 or down 30, all of a sudden they get a cheap score and it kills his numbers. It kills the, the statistic of it. Kills all these different things people look at as far as sabermetrics and analytics and all these different things that you incorporate into defensive play calling now. And it's not his fault, but they've been playing complimentary football. Every time that the defense has needed to get a stop, they've gotten a stop. They bend, they don't break. They hold them to field goals. 
very similar schematically as far as what Navy does. Um, both of right. the defensive coordinators from East Carolina and Navy come from the same coaching tree, so to speak, so it's a similar system. So that's a great kind of blueprint to see how you stop Charlotte. But Charlotte also has two very different quarterbacks that can go under center. They have a true pocket passer who can get the ball outside and, and kind of beat you that way, similar to what JT Daniels like to do. And then they have another one who's a true rusher. And that's not something we've kind of seen totally as far as this season. We've seen a couple hyper-mobile guys, but not a true dual threat. Uh, we saw uh, Shane Calhoun make a handful <laughs> of catches, but he just hasn't had the impact this year that uh, I think a lot of people thought he was going to have or that Ryan Jones had last year. Um, is he a victim of expectations, or, is again, does this just come back that there's been so much inconsistency with the offense and at times inability to to positively move the ball that, uh, you know, these, these aren't impactful catches. Right. He's one of my best friends, so I can say it without him texting my phone and blowing it up because he's not even listening to the outside noise, as he calls it. He's got to come down with a couple of those contested catches. That's what he does. I mean, death taxes and show throw Shane Calhoun the ball in traffic. That's really what you're built on. And it's not a victim of circumstances or of expectations, but really just a victim of how play calling is kind of molded out to itself and it's difficult to try and put a true name to it but when Latrell Scott left who is now the running backs coach at Maryland he was the passing game coordinator last year and knew how to get the tight ends the ball in space and how to get the slots open with mismatches and switch releases and all these different football tech terms I could use to go over the heads of many people that I'd prefer not to do but it's different now because Shane Calhoun is not the same tight end Ryan Jones is. He's not the true split-out guy where you can play him like a Z on the outside, and he can do that in, in spaces, but he can't do that in a given game 40 snaps of the game. He's got to do that 13 or 15 times, and you have to utilize him inside and get him the ball in different ways, and we failed to do that because we can't get the ball to anybody right now, and that comes down to the play calling and kind of scheming people open. I think it's going to be helpful, too, that other tight ends are getting healthy. Right. And or, or coming along. Uh, the younger guys are coming along. I, I, I expect to see a little bit more of them, and that, may mean, that might mean Calhoun's a little fresher for later uh, in games or at clutch moments. Right. And I think he's played 70% of the snaps. I don't think they've run a ton of 10 personnel. I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I can't confirm it. But it seems every time you look out on the field, Shane Calhoun's in the game. And if he's not in the game, it's because – he's hurt or because they wanted to go with a speedy package and it doesn't wind up working out because nobody else is blocking on the perimeter the way he is. So they're trying to find that happy medium with a second tight end coming back now with Ferguson getting healthy or Savage getting healthy or even Desirio Riles finally coming into his own and giving them an opportunity to go 12 personnel can really help Shane Calhoun be the Shane Calhoun he's supposed to be and get the ball instead of just blocking and trying to make place for other people in space. We got uh, Joe Sampson, Joey Football, with us here on the Patrick Johnson uh, show. Uh, Charlotte, Biff Pogey coming <laughs> the in. Fighting they Biff Pogies. More, uh, the fighting Biff Pogies. Uh, they're more offensively challenged than East Carolina is. Uh, they are coming off being shut out uh, by Navy over the weekend. They have had a lot of uh, unsettled situations at the quarterback spot. That's it. Yes, it is. In fact, uh, their starting quarterback at the start of the season. Uh, was uh, is now playing receiver. Yeah, uh, they've got the backup who, who was like eleven out of twenty seven against uh, Navy and had a couple picks. And, uh, and and I mean, no disrespect to Navy's defense, but I don't think that secondary's ball hawks by nature. So 
you know, I, I think there's there's even word they may try to go to the third string guy who's kind of a hybrid of Jones who runs. Yeah, he's also a former four star. Yeah, so I mean, uh, yeah, that just it's. I think it's too early to say whether the Biff Pogey deal has worked or not, uh, because I think he's raised the excitement level and the con- contribution level from uh, uh, donors. So I think from that standpoint, it's a success. But uh, boy, this season uh, has been uh, rotten so far. And you got to think that they have circled this game. They, they're going to have the wagon circled after being shut out. I know he's frustrated on offense, but they're looking at this a lot like App State views the East Carolina game. It's almost a Mike Houston revenge game, and we got into that a little earlier today where Mike Houston was the Charlotte coach in agreement for a cup of coffee before East Carolina snatched him up. So you got to wonder if one of the ADs or one of the higher-ups or even the chancellor's circle in this one is a let's show him what he missed here. But Biff Pogge's impact is not going to be overnight, and that's kind of – an odd thing to say about a head coach because you want him to turn the program overnight, but he's like steering a cruise ship. You got to do it two or three degrees at a time. You're going to tip it over. And that's what he did at Michigan. He kind of brought a little bit more culture to it when he was named assistant head coach. And they give him a lot of credit for turning that around when they finally beat Ohio state and built Michigan to what it is now. And Harbaugh speaks very highly of him, but this is a very young staff as well. You've got a former uh, quarterback coach from Auburn. Who's the brother of Brian Hartline, who's the current offensive coordinator over at Ohio State. You've got the defensive coordinator, who was the former linebackers and D-line coach for the Ravens last year, who they speak very highly of in the business, who's one of the up-and-coming guys. You've got an actual offensive coordinator who was the one at Maryland prior to Loxley and actually came with Loxley uh, from Bama before he got the job. So he left like a year before that one. And this is a very young staff, but a staff that's extremely experienced and will be fine. But you're flipping a roster overnight. It's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. It's it's going to be grit. It's going to be uh, gravel. It's going to be all these dirty things that you don't want to think about that you have to try and flip a program overnight. So I'm sure this is a game they're trying to flip the program with. Uh, is this a must win for East Carolina, Joe? Every win's a must win for East Carolina when you get into the stage of the season and when yeah, you don't start but, off. Mean, no, don't, don't give me that coach speak, Joe. I mean, this this is homecoming. This is Charlotte, who's pretty putrid. They got some guys. But, I mean, if you if the Pirates don't come out victorious, and I, I'm not trying to, you know, blow this up or, or, or anything, but, I mean, it just seems to me that this – this is the most pressure-packed game it would seem to me this season for this team and coaching staff. You, you'd think that, but unfortunately for them, I mean, you played the number two team in the nation to start it out. How much more pressure can you have than being the one to kick that off? So, yes, you feel the pressure of it, but you also look across the aisle and you see they're also one in five. This is a team that's similarly in a, a similar situation to what you're thinking you have to do when you're forcing yourself to win. You can't put too much pressure on yourself in that regard. But if you want a chance at a bowl game, you have to start this weekend. And if you don't do it, you have to win out. And that's really where the pressure will start to build. But if you get one here, you can start to build off that. You can build off of the things you want to do and and find a way to steal four more. And then you're bowl eligible and nobody remembers the bad start to the season. But that's what you got to do. Hey, Joe, great to have you on. We'll do it again uh, maybe uh, in the next few weeks. And uh, we'll see you on Saturday for... uh, Pre-game coverage. Pirate Pirate Game Day Countdown. Countdown. Yep. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, awesome to have you on. Uh, Great to have Coach Houston on today as well and Philip Ref Pilkington back tomorrow. PJ Show.